Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrive, treats me like commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. This guy's singing that old, don't know value. Welcome to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the strange things that it takes in order to build, develop, sell, and price to customer perceived value. Today, I am thrilled to have Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey is a former chief marketing officer at Eastman Kodak. Uh, he is currently the CEO and chairman of the C-Suite Network, the most trusted network for C-Suite leaders. Jeffrey, Welcome. Good to be here. Thanks, Mark, for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, we we go back a ways. Um, yeah. Part of the C-Suite Network, and I try to be sparing in my use of your time, but I was really excited to have you back on because we've been getting a lot of traction on episodes where we talk about corporate agility and pivoting. And of course, we're recording this before inauguration day and it's going to air after inauguration day. So when I ask you to predict the future, I want everybody in the audience to recognize that our our uh, view towards the future is a little bit flawed just because of timing. Well, we can pretty much assume that when Biden steps in, he'll be going, oh, Trump did that? No more. Did that? No more. No, that's pretty much what's going to be. It's going to be the same thing when Trump came in with Obama. He went, nope, Obama this, Obama that, out, out, out. There's going to be the same thing. No, that's that's true. That's an e- those are easy forecasts. Yep. Um, but let's go to the hardest one. The 2020 was a crazy, crazy year. It sucked uh, it for sucked. the world, <laughs> and it, it sucked in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, it was really interesting, and a lot of growth happened. And no, there, yeah, there's uh, a, you know wherever you've got chaos, there's always someone who comes out ahead. And it, you know, just because it's a bad opportunity for many people, without question, I think we both say you know, like restaurants and others, one of every six restaurants is closed. There's just been, a, you know, certain groups and that have been decimated, but some restaurants are doing extremely well. Some businesses do well. And what you have to do is you have to learn to, you know, adapt, change or die in, the, in this essence. And and what we found was a great deal of, of, of transformation, you know, radical value, radical change that occurred. And people had to find the value in everything that they did very quickly. Yeah, you know, I spent a lot of the first half of the year talking with clients about what is your value. And uh, in December, you released an article on the value and it was talking about Disney understood that their product, they don't sell movies and and programming, they sell time with your family. And Peloton doesn't sell equipment and subscriptions, they sell group exercise experience 2.0, right, virtualized. And so understanding the value, the customer outcome that you're delivering gives you a lot more freedom to think, how am I going to deliver that value? And uh, you had to do that pretty substantially at the C-suite network, didn't you? Oh, yeah, we had to pivot. I mean, you know, we found out very quickly. I I just assumed that with all this that was going on, days are going to become weeks, weeks and months, months become years because you're just going to have to, everything's just going to shift with huge change. And so, you know, that's becomes the new normal, whatever that is. I mean, that's the way I've always looked at things. But yeah, we had to move from what was 
primarily a delivery mechanism that we were doing in person to doing it digitally in person. And that became a big challenge for us. But yeah, one that we stepped into and quite frankly, have done really well with. Yeah, you've done really well. And that's, I, I want to go back to what's your value? What is the experience that you create for your members so that as you focused on that, then it was easier to think, how are we going to virtualize this and how are we going to switch around? So tell us. Yeah, the, the biggest part of that was a trusted network, Mark. I mean, you, you know, I knew that with digital world and the way in which we see, you know, we look at things, how are you going to be, and it's going to be even more so going into the future, just beyond COVID, not because of COVID, just because of the way in which we're shifting, is how do I know that you are who you are? How do I know what information to trust? How do I know which person to listen to? Who has relevancy in my particular market? And we knew that that was going to be the case. So that's why we created the C-suite network so many years ago and that we said, look, we, we, we know people want to do business with other people like themselves or, you know, in similar verticals, similar roles, similar businesses and similar values. So how do we go and bring that together? And that's really all we're trying to do. And so yeah. when you step into our room, you, you kind of get the feel for what the rules are. You kind of get the feel for, hey, I might not like everybody in there, but they paid their dues to get in, meaning they're, they're this tall before they get on the ride. And that's an important distinction. You know, um, really important that, I mean, for a while you were, uh, a couple of months there, you were on a tear about exposing the posers, right? Yeah. Making sure yeah. that the, the people that you presented to each other were the legit people, not some millennial who wanted to give you life experience coaching. Yeah, well, you, it's hard to be a, a life coach when you're a teenager, you know? So when you're still a teen, you know, and you see some of that. And I, look, if, I, if I'm gonna talk to the most trusted, you know, accountant, I wanna know who that is, or a marketing executive. I, if someone says, hey, I can help you get, make billions, well, then you have better have made billions yourself or led to billions or led billion dollar organizations. And, and that's what you find sometimes is I call them posers or, <coughs> excuse me, false prophets. You know, that's who they are. And there's a lot of those people out there. And the key is to, you know, just to, to you know, not deal with them. Yeah, I really struggle with all the people who um, connect on LinkedIn and then within hours or 20, with, certainly within 24 hours, they're already selling you something. Well, look how many COVID experts came out. Yeah. I mean, it'd be no one could spell COVID before, knew what it was or COVID-19 or whatever derivative of the virus it is. And, and all of a sudden there's all these COVID experts. I mean, give me a break. You're not a COVID expert. You're just a marketing expert. You're this expert or whatever, but you, you know, but everybody did, they rushed to that as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, I wrote a post early on about some guy who was a political commentator, ran a political site, and he wanted to tell us all about uh, the mortality and da and how dangerous COVID was. And so he, and I looked him up and he had a finance degree. Yeah. So he knows, he knows how to do spreadsheets. And he's got a political opinion, but he was giving epidemiological advice and uh, he was one of a million. And so I don't want to pick up on, you know, I don't want to name him and yeah, but you, pick but on you him see because this in the sales market, Mark, I mean, you see this all the time and the, the value that you present in sales training and sales, sales positioning, you know, is that there are a lot of people who think just, oh, it's sales. I'm, I'm easy. I'm good. I can do that. Yeah. And you, can't. you can't. You're not good. Yeah. You, yeah, you shouldn't. And, you're, you're not an expert at it. You're just just because you're a people person doesn't mean you're good at sales. <laughs> if you don't know what, you know, 
offers well, and, are and you know uh, closings are and everything else and and the and the methodology and and that's even more true than it ever was right all those people who relied on relationship on whiskey and tickets on taking people out to golf or whatever to get deals done the fallacy of that approach to selling uh, was laid bare in 2020 um, relationships are important, but the important thing about relationships is that people trust you to bring value. Yeah. And if, if you've got a relationship, but you still don't bring any value, your relationship gets you about 30 seconds into the conversation and then peters out. Yeah. Value gets you there. Relationships keep you there. And, 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 and although I think value is through the whole piece of it, you got to yeah. continue to deliver value without question, but, but most people are now in consideration on sales consideration. They're, they're figuring out the value very quickly. And by the time it gets to a salesperson, it's pretty much done. Can be. Um, and I'm really, I really harp with my clients that when a client has self-informed and finally brought in a salesperson, remember what their self-informing process is and isn't. Because there's a ton of great information out there on the internet, but customers don't always self-inform. They don't always create their own vision. And so it takes a relationship so that people trust you to say, you're 80% of the correct. And let me tell you about the other 20% that you didn't research on your own. Right. You, you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Because so you, don't have, yeah, you, you don't need a relationship to have the trust so that you can say, hey, buddy, you've missed the boat on this important thing. Let me tell you why this is important. And uh, there's a whole book on challenging people. And it turns out that half of the people who challenge a customer are annoying know-it-alls and alienate customers. And half of them are those great people who successfully educate the customers. Well, you should be asking the question about educate on the education side. Would this be a value? If you knew about this, would this be a value? Yeah. I, yeah. So that's that's the same end result, but it's not challenging. Challenging is like you're being a bull in a china shop. You're working without a net, but you can also ask, did you ever think about? And that's not challenging. That's that's challenging somebody's mindset without I that. think Dan Acker did that on Saturday Night Live years ago. Jane, you're ignorant slut. I think it's really <laughs> You know, so that, you know, that, that that's the, the inappropriate way to do that. You know? Yeah, isn't that the truth? So walk us through some of the, the trials and travails of C-Suite Network and what things work, what things you had to try and then toss. Uh, yeah. uh, what were some of the things that... The biggest, because- the biggest failure biggest failure was the, is that we thought everybody would want an online network. Now we found that uh, that didn't work. They didn't want that. We built it. We built it a couple of times, you know, like, like a Facebook or a LinkedIn you know, for C-suite executives. They, no, they're not on it. They're not doing it. Think about every C-suite executive you know that's worth their their, their weight in gold, okay? Are they, are they streaming through c Are they sitting on LinkedIn every day, going through LinkedIn? Most of them are not. Now, to sell, to network, yes. But to do business over that, no. We found out, no, nah, that doesn't work. Because no. you know why? They're working on their business. They're in their business. They, you know, their business isn't that. So we, so that was a, that was a, a, a a big mistake. And what we found was we needed to capture customer behavior. And, and the second piece of it that we had to have a realize is that C-suite people are really busy. And so therefore we don't get bent out of shape when they don't show up, you know, because other stuff comes up and it used to bother the heck out of me, Mark, you know, I, Oh, I have 800 people registered, but then all of a sudden only 400 showed up. It's like, what, what happened to the other four? I'm such a failure, you know? 
No, that's actually really good because we're double or triple what everybody else gets. And uh, because they, they love the value or they go back and reread it or see it. So we had to find ways to be able to give it to you the way you want it. And that was a big learning for us is to really serve the customer and to have a real servant mentality about how do we pre- how do we present this stuff in ways that people will find value, right? Give back yeah. the value where you want it. So if you like to get it this way, I give it to you this way. If you like your steak medium rare, I give it to you medium rare. If you like it rare, you get it rare. If you want it well done, which I think is the worst way to get a steak, I'm still going to serve it with a smile. Okay. Right. And that was a great learning for us. That's, uh, yeah, that's glorified jerky. Um, well, get, but get this. I mean, have you ever been to a great steakhouse? And, and I've, I've been in some really great steakhouses. And I was with some folks one time and I said, I like my steak rare. Sir, that's such and such and such and such. And this is, this is how we prepare it. I said, yes, rare. He goes, you understand? I said, is this a steakhouse? He goes, yes. I said, do you know the difference between a rare and a medium rare steak? Yes. Then give me a rare steak. That's what, you're an expert, my friend. Yeah. That's what I'm asking you. So don't, don't yeah. ask me to educate you and confirm what a rare steak is, you know? Yeah. yeah well, but, but having been in the restaurant industry, there's steakhouse rare and then there's diner rare, which yeah. is medium rare. And yeah, so I, no, I like, you know, well, then if you shouldn't be in a good steakhouse, if you don't know the difference, you know, wipe, <laughs> wipe its ass, knock off its horns and put it on a plate. Exactly. But if the customer comes back and says, no, that's not the way I want. You say, yes, sir. We did not fix it the way you want. Let me go take care of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why would you argue? Just do it. So as you were going through 2020 and learning what your customers did and didn't like, um, one of the differences between me and the average sales training, sales performance, sales strategy company is I believe that um, companies need to change how they think about their customers. Everybody who touches the customer, uh, I have clients that have 15 roles that touch the customer, 12 of whom don't have sales titles. Those 12 need to be able to be trained and comfortable having business conversations with the customer, understanding value, because those 12 are trusted by your customer a lot more than your salespeople. Yeah. So I believe that the entire organization is a sensory organ, not just your salespeople. I agree. And, and so what are you trying to get your entire team to look out for? So 2021 is a little bit more of the same. It's not going to be a back to normal. It's going to be a rolling series of new normals and you've got to keep your eye out for things. What kind of key things are you looking for? So our key thing is how do we keep the C-suite experience, that experience of serving it for you the way you want, but to do it with scale. That's my word for 2021 uh, or 2021 is, is to really focus in on scale my business. I'm going to really, um, you know, you know, we grew some aspects of our business 450%, like our podcast network is through the roof. And we're creating great value there as well as great value on the, on the, on the PL and the balance sheet, because we're worth a lot more, uh, millions of dollars more than we were last year. But to, I want to do what we're doing now, but with greater scale. So we're going to be really focused in on how do we give that C-suite experience, but with scale. Yep. So making sure people are keeping an eagle eye on making sure the experience stays at least as good, if not better. Yeah. Well, we notice, you know, I say we've got our thought council, our hero club, or maybe it's our podcaster meetings where we're not seeing people show up for meetings. We're not seeing people engage in the way that we'd like to see. 
well, we need to check in what's going on in their life. You know, and it, you know, right now with what's been with COVID, could they've been sick or could this been going on? Their business isn't going as well. What can we do to recognize those? And what are the, what are the signs for us in those so that we can kind of be proactive in terms of, you know, predictability on some of that and then continue to deliver it. Cause you know, we want people to still have that same experience and that happens all the time. You know, we'll, well, people, yo, gosh, you changed my life. And then eight months later, they're going, what value have you given me? Well, then we haven't done our job. So what we have to do is circle back to give them those same experiences, those same, you know, that same value that they got before that they, they can continue to be a, um, you know, an ambassador for us. I want people, you know, like yourself and others, Mark, who, you know, you go out of your way to tell people about the C-suite network. You're, you bring in people for us because of your value that you've got and then what you tell other people. And it, and, you know, makes it makes the transition to membership or transition to access all of our services so much easier. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge advocate, but uh, I'm noticing that as you switching to this, well, you've always been kind of a subscription business, but the demand of a subscription is always every day you're proving yourself anew. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not like you have an annual renewal. And so that last three months before renewal, you've got to really kiss somebody's rear end. You've yeah. got to do it every single no, day. We're kissing every everybody's rear end every day. That's right? exactly right. Well, that's <laughs> what you should do. And, and you know, you can, and by the way, that great service, that great connection, that great network, the great value, well, there's, you can charge for that. Yeah. And, and people see real value. And if they don't see the value in it, great. I, then, okay, then I'm fine with that. Then, you know, but let's let, but when you do see the value, then you need to pay for it and you need to recognize it. And And you need to point it out too. That's the other piece. I think a lot of times we don't always point it out. And so people take it for granted. It becomes table stakes and it can't be just table stakes. That is, uh, that's like the number one thing I teach is what is your value? What have you done? And let's measure it. Are you still getting that value? Is did you get the same amount of benefit this month? How many dollars of benefit did you get this month? So it's you're absolutely right. You've got to continually build the bridge in your mind between what they bought and what they got. Yeah. Well, and you helped me with one other thing. You know, a lot of times I'll ask people, and it's been my classical training of are you sat after they're through like with a hot seat or through some experience, I'll say, Hey, were you satisfied? Oh, yes, I was satisfied. Well, now I add the question of, did you see great value in that? You know, and you're the one that brought that to my attention. And, and I asked that question now, people, did you see great value in what we just did? Go one or two questions more. What was that value? What, what do you think that's going to oh, yeah. do? What do you think that's going to do for you? And how many dollars do you think that's worth? Yeah. Because until you get somebody to build that bridge in their mind, they won't. Yeah. They will stop at, yes, I got great value. You have to build that value. You've got to cause that movie to play in their head by asking them those questions. And if you don't build that movie in Dolby surround sound, <laughs> right? IMAX, and reruns and reruns. Right? They're, it's going to be a silent movie Yeah, in black and white. Right. Yeah, that's good. In reruns. You need it 3D in reruns. That's what you need. That's exactly right. So- what technical technology behaviors did we learn in 2020 that are going to continue and which ones are going to fade off, right? This work from home. How strong do you think that's going to be? What And what other virtual behaviors? 
you think- be strong. I mean, we found that this communication via screens works and you can still have meaningful relationships as a result of it. I mean, you know, you know, I'm hosting scotch events, I'm hosting yep. wine tasting events, and we're doing all of those virtuals with quite frankly, huge success and bigger than I ever expected and fun and enjoyable and, yeah. you know, all that. So I don't think this is, this isn't going away. None no, of this I, is going away. I, I think you're right. Somebody actually gave me a really interesting thing. I might've told you in one of our meetings, but uh, the way we are appearing with each other, we're recording this on zoom for those of you who are only listening to this to audio, but when you're on zoom, the scale that you appear looks like you're about four feet away, yeah. which is a social distance. And human beings are genetically disposed to trusting somebody in that four feet distance. So as a speaker, Jeffrey Hazlett is more credible giving the exact same speech with the exact same body language from four feet oh, than wow. you used to be from 50 or 80 feet on a big stage. I didn't know. I hadn't known that. That may, must be why we like television so much. Why, yeah. why we like that visual reference. Um, wow. That's, that's an interesting piece. And you, it's, you, it's the human brain. You can't fight it. We spent a hundred thousand years wiring our brains to be comfortable and to give credibility to people at this distance. The other the thing you, I think this will do Mark is I think it's going to change the way we have employee relationships, meaning the there's going to be more 1099s. Yeah. As a result of this, like if you're not coming into the office, we're going to make you a contractor. Um, that kind of piece. I think there's going to be more of that, whether that's good or bad. I don't know yet, but I think that's going to be the, you know, the, the differentiation. I, I think that there will be a lot more people working from home, but you will also have the communal office piece of it. But the office will change and it's no longer Jimmy's desk or Billy's desk or Donnie's desk or, you know, it'll be it'll be just come and take the desk when you come in. Yeah. Some of those companies have been doing that for a while, like, you know, Siemens and uh, oh, some of the other bigger companies. You, you've seen that for a while, especially in New York. You'll see kind of a you walk in, you scan your ID, you walk in, you grab a cubicle, you can rent out a, you know, rent an office space. I think we'll have much more shared offices like that, where you can just go from office to office, almost like a WeWork, but nicer. Yeah. And uh, be looking for that kind of experience. Yeah. You know, I think that the traditional top down hierarchical management structure, when you have virtual workers where you're tracking activities, like how many times did you dial the phone? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's going to get old really fast. You're going to have to start managing people to the outcomes they deliver. And you're going to have to hire people you trust Yep. And let them lead you. And so that whole idea of the of the bigger company, everybody in the company who touches the customer, um, having value focused conversations and building value with customers and being a sensory organ, uh, you can't do that in a deeply siloed organization. And so I think that the way that I learned how to manage in business school, which is, you know, you're the the executives see all, know all, and build all the processes, and uh, the gnomes march to the processes. I just think that's millennials were, were causing some stress into that, but I think the workplace is going to break that even further. Well, I think we'll also change the way we have the office space. I think we'll see a bigger rooms, like where everybody can sit around and have a communal, you know, the education stuff, just so we can social, we can connect. Yeah. Um, 
I'm thinking about how we do that. You know, I've got, you know, side by side, no walls, you know, everywhere. And I'm thinking, geez, I need bigger conference rooms so I can squeeze everybody in together so we can have, you know, lunch together and we can have, you know, time together. And I'm trying to figure out how to do those kinds of things uh, where I hadn't been thinking about it before. Really interesting. You know, the idea of the office pre was that's a place for you to do your work and you just need a place to maybe get not, you know, prevent yourself from being distracted so you can have a cubicle to work in and get your stuff done. Um, But now that's what you do at home. You go into the office for those meetings, for the interaction, for partially the social, but for the collaboration, the, the team collaboration. And so the sea of cubicles is not appropriate when the office is the place for collaboration. I, I'm thinking that you need, and I don't know this yet, and I'm, I'm open and maybe some other people smarter than me, but I'm thinking about, you know, hey, on Monday we kick it off and we're talking about what we're all going to get done this week and what the projects are and how we do that collaboration and what's what's our red flags, what, what's getting in the way, what's, what's, okay, now let's break it up into groups, go fo- solve that and come back. And we do that, you know, literally every Monday or something so that we can kind of kick off the week that way. I think there's some real positives to that. Yeah, that sounds like the agile method in sprints, a weekly sprint. What is our sprint this week? Let's, and then Friday afternoon, we'll see how far we got. And Monday morning, we'll make up a new sprint. Yeah. And you, by the way, you do it for sales, you do it for marketing, you yep. do it for each group. And then really focus in on the outcomes and then what, what are the overlaps to support one another? Yeah. All right, man, we're getting close to time. What did we oh. forget to talk about? Oh, I, hey, I don't know, but, but we did, we covered Biden, which we covered politics, right? So we just, and we, we did a little bit, I think we said something sexual, so we probably covered that in religion. We should probably talk about religion. No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we'll hit the trifecta. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Bless you. I, I, if you sneeze, I'll say bless you. There you go. There we go. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time um, and your friendship, your mentorship. Uh, really appreciate you. And thanks for spending the time on the Value Clarity Podcast. Well, thank you. You've made it easy. I tell you what, you're, you're doing, you've got a great podcast. The book has just been a tremendous success. And I know we've done some webinars and some other work with you too. So yeah, I know you're providing great consultation to all the C-suite. So keep it up. So, and remember everybody, this, uh, this is airing just before a session and executive briefing. So you're going to want to tune in for that. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about value only being in your customer's mind, which means your success with your customer really only happens inside your customer's head. Thanks, and have a high-value day. Well, it ain't easy, because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be your dues cause you'll be singing those old don't know value this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com <laughs>